relationship that we're talking about. And I'm just going to just unpack a little bit more of that. If you haven't been coming in the morning, um, we've, we've been talking about this, this thing called sonship. So can I encourage you, you know, it's hard to be in two places at once. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm going to speak tonight and just take some of the messages that I've been speaking over the last two Sundays and just bring it and, and just sort of wrap it with a bit of new stuff. So if you have been coming in the morning, um, it's good to hear things again and again. It's good to be able to hear things. You know, Jesus was very repetitive in his teaching. You know, so often we, we think we can hear one message or, or a truth and think we've got it. But when you look at Christ, he was continually saying the kingdom of heaven's like this. The kingdom of God's like this. It's like this, like this, like this, like this. He really just spoke the same thing, but he just brought it differently with different illustrations and pictures to help us get it. And so we're going to be looking at this whole thing again. Uh, we're journeying through called sonship because it's so important that we understand and get a revelation of who we are in him and as we've been speaking about uh, we can very easily um, manifest orphan attributes and we may not even realize it because the reality is we've all been uh, tarred with an orphan spirit we've actually all been tarred from birth with, with a nature that is opposite to the father Jesus never started that way but we have when we were born, the Bible says we were born with a fallen nature. It's a tarred nature that it is actually evil against the Father. That's what Genesis 8 teaches us. We're actually in opposition to the Father. And then when we are born again, when we come into having a spirit birth, a spiritual birth, we receive the spirit called sonship. We receive it by faith into us, which means we are now adopted into his family positionally. Legally, we are now his. But we don't stop there. Because the next step is to move in a revelation of that thing that was bought for, that spirit of sonship. I must move into the revelation of sonship so I live like a son in this kingdom domain, not as an orphan, nor as a slave. And so it's never just I've arrived because I'm a Christian and I'm a son because I'm a Christian. You are legally, positionally, but the Father wants you to experience a life of sonship. He wants you to experience the inheritance. He wants you to experience the freedom, the joy, the peace of being a son. Knowing that we can trust in the Father. That song itself, God's love never fails. What a powerful truth. That's to be a reality that sits within us in the depths of who we are. David said, I want truth on the innermost part of who I am. Why? So a, a rivers of living water can come forth out of me. Truth emanates forth from me. And so we've been looking at this and we're going to unpack a bit more of this. But um, just before we do that, I'm just going to pray just real quickly. If, uh, if you have been with us for a while, you'll know we wrote down some people's names, friends, loved ones, uh, neighbors, workmates, and we've just been believing and praying for these people. Hopefully you have in your quiet time. And just lifting them before God and asking God to draw them to him. So I just want to take just some 30 seconds and just pray again for these people. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, that you're in the business of reconciling people to yourself. I thank you, Lord, that you came. You sent your son, Lord, to, to die, uh, Lord, but then to be born again and to live again and to be placed at your right hand, Lord. And you see and you intercede for the church. And Father, tonight we just want to come before you. We want to bring our friends, our family, our neighbors, our work colleagues before you. Every name that was written down on that bit of paper, Lord, is a, has meaning and purpose. 
Father, every person is intentional. Every person, Father, has meaning to their lives. And so, God, we just pray for every single person that was written down. We lift them before you. You see them all. And I pray, God, by the power of your Spirit, you would draw all men, women, and child unto yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we've got this, this coming up this, this Saturday night. We're just doing a fundraiser. It's a quiz night. It's going to be a fun night. It's an opportunity to bring uh, non-Christian friends to it and have a bit of a laugh and raise some money at the same time for Cambodia um, and just the needs that they have over there and, and wanting to build. They've started the building of a brand new orphanage and school. And so we're hoping to raise about $10,000 to be able to fund uh, the water, to be able to fund the kitchen and the fence that goes around uh, the property. So I want to encourage you to come out to that, see Simon and the guys out there in the foyer um, if you'd like to come along and bring someone. But um, you've got your Bibles. Come with me to Luke 3. Uh, verses 21. Luke 3, verses 21. Just going to spend a little fraction of the time here and then move, move forward. And we're going to look at the ultimate identity theft. I believe to not come into the fullness of sonship, to, to live outside of uh, the reality that, that God uh, bought and paid for us to experience really is the ultimate identity theft that the enemy is trying to deceive us from. And he does it to Christ, so if, he did it to, if he's done it to Christ, he's going to try and do it to us, and he's going to paint words, and all he really has is the power of deception or the smokescreen. So he throws suggestive comments out, he throws statements out to try and bring doubt into our thinking, to have us questioning ourselves, am I really a son? You know, what I did last week doesn't really represent sonship. You know, it doesn't, didn't really represent that I love the Father, the stuff, my attitude, uh, what was manifesting out of me, the thoughts that I was having. You know what? None of that would reflect that I'm in love with God. These are the type of things that He comes and tries to spin at you and feed you to rob you of an identity theft. You know, the, it's costing the world thousands and thousands, millions of dollars in identity theft today. People trying to, to pretend they are someone else. People trying to lure money. I mean, that, that couple, I want to, you know, that, that, that somehow that Westpac messed up and they had $10 million in their account and they went, man, what an opportunity to skip the country and try and get away with that. And they've been caught. But there are millions and millions of dollars being uh, stolen in identity theft. It's a powerful thing. The enemy knows it. And so he comes to Jesus here. Uh, but God speaks before the enemy does, and he says this in, in Luke three twenty one. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, you are my son, my, you are my beloved son, and you are well pleased. A voice came out of heaven. You see, uh, we're defined by a voice from heaven. Not a voice from earth, not our mum and dads, although they might have done a great job, our brothers and sisters, our friends, but a voice that's not part of this place. It's a voice from another place. It's a voice from a kingdom place. It's a voice where, you know, love is, is the thing. It's the life source. It's the oxygen of its kingdom. Peace and mercy and grace in this voice, which the Father's voice is the voice that defines us as sons. And when I say sons, I mean male and female. 
And so I could call you daughters, but the Bible actually says we're sons. We receive a spirit of sonship. It's not a sexist thing. It's just what the Bible says. So we go with what the Bible says. And so it's just a spirit of sonship and a voice from heaven named and labeled his boy. And so a voice from heaven names and labels you and I as his son or his daughter. And he would say to you tonight, if you've received him, if you've admitted and acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are his son. You are marked. You are stamped. You're like a, a uh, probably not a great analogy, but just popped into my head. You're like a beast, a cattle that, that has its, its marked by, its, by the, the farmer as a sense of identity as to whose you are, whose you are, and who are you. It's more important than what you know. Who you know is more important than what you know. And here we see the father saying, you're my son and you I'm well pleased. Just flick over to Luke 4, verses 3. Jesus has been, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's been in the wilderness. He comes out, he's ate nothing, ate, eaten nothing. He's hungry. And so he's in this place of vulnerability. How many people know the enemy comes to you in a place of vulnerability? He comes to you when you're weak. He comes to you, you know, when you're struggling. He comes to you when you're sick and guessing. He comes to you when you know, maybe you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. And he comes and he says this, if you are the son of God, the greatest identity theft is to get you and me sick and guessing who we are in him. If you are a son, Greg, I see your struggles. <laughs> Sons don't do that stuff, Greg. Sons don't say those things. Sons don't do that, Greg. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not a son. Maybe I really am an orphan. I'm, I'm a slave. And maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe that's it. Maybe I, you know, that was just a whole. I don't know what that was, but maybe I'm not even. Maybe I'm not even yours. No. That's the game he tries to play. Everything of value the enemy tries to counterfeit. That's why people try and counterfeit money. Everything of value he tries to counterfeit. He tries to create another expression of it. Man tries to do that as well. And worship and different things. And how the church is to be built. He builds it. We have to be careful that we don't counterfeit, we don't make a replica, we don't try and fake it, we don't try and, you know, replicate it or do the things that only he can do. And the enemy will come and try and get you to second guess who you are in him. And he will throw all these provocative statements out there. It's all he's got. It's all he's got is the power of a tongue. All he's got is this ability to speak something and see, as sons, as sons and daughters, that's why we must fight back with the Word of God. That's why we must know the Word of God. The Word of God is the power for your and my transformation. It's not just a book. It's the life source of transforming me. And the more I'm in His Word, the more I'm consumed by His Word. The Bible says His Word is a double-edged sword. It cuts both sides. And it penetrates things. It penetrates my own thinking, my thoughts, my attitudes, my stinking thinking. And it cuts those things away and takes them out like a surgeon and replaces them with truth. Sorry for spitting on the front row. <laughs> I'm trying not to do that again. <laughs> and life, amen. That the word of God is the transforming food that God gives us for us to come into this reality of 
who I truly am. You know, none of you are accidents here tonight. I don't care how you got into the world, no one is an accident. The Bible says that God ordained the time you would arrive onto this planet Earth. And it's for a specific reason and purpose that he has ordained for you and me to play out here on Earth in conjunction with the start and the end. He knew the season that you would arrive on planet Earth. He knows when you would be born. He knows when your life will end. And he looks and says, what are people going to do between the mark that exists between the day they were born and the day they finish? That's good news, isn't it? That you are intentional. You have been birthed intentionally by the Father. You're his. So although your mum and dad, although Lily and Alan Simnel brought me into the world in 1969, and they've done a pretty good job at raising me in a non-Christian home. I found Christianity at the age of 29. Do you know what? My father is the one that's defining me more and more. My heavenly father. But I have an enemy. I have an adversary that's attacking that. Happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to you and me. When you read that on, the enemy comes and he tries to tempt Christ. He says, you know what? How about this? Throw yourself off the building. Throw yourself off these rocks, you know. The angels will catch you. He says, I'm not going to go there. He says, you know what? I can give you all this stuff. It's been given to me. And I can give it to you. If you worship me, I'm going to give it to you. He says, I'm not going to go there. And once again, he comes back with the word of God because he knew the word of God. The enemy knows the word of God. The enemy took scripture and tried to fight Christ with his own word. He's very devious and very smart and very clever. But he has no authority. We give him authority by not knowing who we are. And we allow him to mess with us. So we are sons. Please hear that tonight. You and me, if we have invited him into our lives, received his lordship, then I'm a son. But from this point on, I've got a journey with him into a revelation of what that means. So I start living as a son. Come here, Luke 15, 21. Let's give you an example of a, a young boy, and we know the story well about the prodigal son. Luke 15, 21. You see, the words that the young boy says here, they're all wrong. This young man doesn't understand that although he went away, although he, he took his father's inheritance and really trashed them and wasted them, he still didn't know who he was or who his father truly was because he says these words. So he comes back. He's wasted his inheritance. He realizes and he says, you know what, I can come back and live as a slave on my father's property. In verse 21, Luke 15, 21, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That is just wrong language. Now, there are consequences for sin. I'm not, I'm not saying go out there and sin, do what you want. The Father's so gracious, he, his, his, his heart is that you would choose him and he allows us that freedom. But the son comes back and he says, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And the key is the father's response because the father reinstates him like that. 
It's not like, great, right, now you're going to go six months in the field and prove yourself to see whether you are or not. Now, the father gives him back all these signs of authority, like the ring and the robe. I'm no longer worthy. It's not about our actions. It's about our heart. There are consequences to our actions. Don't hear what I'm saying. We are to live righteously, but it doesn't determine whether I'm a son or not. My, my living at home and the way I lived at home, there were some things, you know, that, that I didn't do well in my home. I lied to my parents now and again. I remember wanting my way. And when mum and dad said, no, I said, that's cool, but I'm going to do it anyway. And there are consequences for disobeying the family instruction manual. But you know what? It didn't alter the fact that I was still a simnor. It didn't alter the fact that my identity was based in a name, a Simnor name, that had heritage to it and lineage to it. My dad didn't throw me out and say, right, now you're Greg X. No, I was still Greg Simnor. I disappointed him with my actions, and there were consequences, and I had to repent of those things, but it didn't alter my sonship. And the more I started to understand the identity of my home and my parents' heart and come into that, the more I wanted to live by their set of instructions. Anyone else hear what I'm saying tonight? And so here's this young man and he's, he's got it all wrong. His brother had it wrong as well. So his brother is there. He bags the, the, the father and the brother because the father throws him a party and he says, I've been with you my whole life and I've never had a party. See, they were both in dysfunction. They were both manifesting orphan spirits. Although you might not look at it when you, when you read it, you go, oh, yeah, what a bad guy he is. Oh, gee, the, young, the older brother, every right to bag him. No, he wasn't living in the fullness of sonship either. And so both sons are manifesting. The only one who's manifesting a sonship heart is the father. And so we're all, I can say this, I'll say this with absolute humility, we all at times manifest orphan attributes. Why? Because we have this nature in us and we have this him nature and this other nature. And the Bible says they go head to head. Paul says, everything I want to do, I don't seem to be able to do. And everything I don't want to do, I seem to do. What's that about? You see, in God's grace, God's grace covers all that, that we could come into the fullness of sonship. So we no longer, as we go on in time, are saying those things. It's like the things that I want to do, I end up doing. Because who I am, and it's here, I'm understanding. Tell me to Galatians 4, 1 to 11. Is this all right tonight? Galatians 4, 1 to 11. This is a powerful passage. If we can wrestle with this and move in this, I'm telling you, our lives will change. There'll be life coming out of you that others will see and they'll want that life. So Galatians 4, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to move through it quite quickly. The title is Sonship in Christ. Now I say, as long as the heir is a, is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although the, he is the owner of everything. 
That's interesting, isn't it? As long as the heir is a child. See, sometimes we can think we're adults, but we're not. And people say, I'm mature because I've been a Christian 30 years. But really, you've maybe had one year of 30 years going round and round and round. So maturity is not based on age. Maturity is based on allowing God in you, through you, moving out of you. I love what Dave McCracken said. He said, maturity is the gap between hearing and obeying. That's pretty cool, eh? Maturity is the gap, the mark between hearing God and obeying God. That determines our maturity. So he says here, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he's the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Say, I am no longer a slave, but a son. And of a son, then an heir through God. Okay, verse 8. This is interesting. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by Him, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. 11, I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. And so you receive this spirit of sonship, but then you go back to elemental things. You go back to, you go back to looking at things. The enemy draws you away. He paints pictures. He sees these things. And all of a sudden, even our own nature can do this without that. And all of a sudden, now you're lured back into this old lifestyle, still a son, but not living. And Paul's saying, you know what? Man, I fear that my labor, my hard work, that Christ has been moving in me, I've done it in vain. There's all this, this, this stage, and I'm hoping to bring the church of, Galatians, of Galatia into, but yet we tend to be going backwards, not forwards. There's no such thing as a passive follower of Christ. If you're passive in your faith, You'll be consumed with the old life. There is enough in our culture today to just grab you and suck you like a vacuum back into it. If we are not active followers of Jesus, actively choosing his will over my own, actively putting on love, actively choosing to live this lifestyle. Yeah? And this is what Paul's saying here. He said, you've received this, but all of a sudden we're moving backwards. I want us to be moving forwards. There are three types of identification. There is fake ID. There is expired ID. And then there is authentic identification. Verse one. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. If I turn up at the airport 
And I have a flight going to Cambodia, which we will do in November, third week in November, so just a little plug for that. Um, if you want to come along, start thinking about that. But if I turn up there and I have this green passport from Tonga, and the picture inside doesn't quite match my picture. I'm better looking than Halika, but anyway. <laughs> and I walk up to the counter, and I say, I'm here to go to my flight, and I hand over this passport. And they look, and they open it up, and they look at this beautiful picture of Halika, this good-looking man. They look at me and go, he's got more hair than you, uh, more facial hair than you. Sorry, this isn't you. And I go, yes, it is me. It is me. And they go, no, no, it's not you. In fact, you're Greg Sinner, but this is Halika Hulia. Sorry, you can't go any further. You can't transaction onto the plane. You certainly can't get into Cambodia with this fake ID. I remember as a 16-year-old pre-Christian days, no one would have done this, but trying to get into an R18 movie. Don't put this on the tape. <laughs> you know, I was reasonably tall at 16, so I sort of had the height. And, uh, you know, I borrowed someone's ID and my thumb was fairly decent size, so I put that over the picture and just sort of went up to the counter with my money and I was buying my mates. You know how embarrassing it is? Like, you know, you're the tallest, so you get picked because all the other mates are about this height, so you go forward and get us the tickets. So you're in there, and you go forward, and no one would have done this, but anyway. And so you hand over your money, and you got the idea, and they're looking at it. Can you move your thumb? Oh, it seems to be stuck to the, to the ID card. Now just move your thumb. That's not you. No, it's not me. What are you doing? Well, we're trying to see this movie, and... Well, you know, sort of like, <laughs> run! <laughs> Fake ID denies you access into things. And Jesus wants us living in the understanding of who we are so we can access his kingdom. But while we continue to pretend and while we maybe put on masks and while we play the game, you know what? The kingdom's not being built within us. And certainly the kingdom's not coming to earth through us because we're playing this other game over here, thinking that we're being authentic, but really we're being fake and phony. And the only one that we're kidding is ourselves because God can see it, other people can see it, but sometimes we can't. And I shared this last week, you know, it's okay to go, I haven't got it all together. It's okay to go, I don't understand some of that stuff. It's okay to be, man, you know, they're talking some of the stuff, and Chris said some stuff this morning, and Johnny the other week, and I don't get it. Do you get it? No, that's okay. It's freeing to be real, because that's where God wants you, because when you get to that place, he says, right, now we can start working. Now that you've arrived at this point where you're actually now open to be vulnerable in front of me and for me allowed to do some things, now we're going to do some work. But fake ID doesn't get you anywhere and it doesn't get you into anything. There's expired identification. Anybody here uh, had their either warrant of fitness or their 
uh, certificate of registration run out and got caught or you forgot. What happens if you forget and the lovely parking person comes along who happens to notice? Yes, we have one in the house tonight. <laughs> get to know him. Oh, he's even there. But what happens? You get a fine. If I turn up at the airport with my expired passport and I hand it over and I'm going to Cambodia again and they look and they go, wow, yes, this time you are Greg Simner. Yep, that's you. You were born in Southport. That's your birth date. Yes, that's right. Hold on a minute. This thing expired in 2011. Sorry, you can't board the plane. See, it's expired ID. I can't also access things that I'm supposed to be accessing. Come with me to verse 8 in Galatians 4, verses 8. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, I love that. See, God knows you intimately, but we're on a journey of discovering who he is. And it can only come through revelation, through the spirit of revelation. How is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Time up. (laughs) You see, this journey is to be one of continually going forward, to continually pressing forward. The church is to be an offensive people. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, but we will overcome them through God. God overcomes them. So when the enemy speaks and he says these things about you, maybe things that you've done in the past that have been covered, bought for, paid for by the blood of Christ, and he comes and he speaks, he tries to deceive you, tries to tell you things, tries to bring the past up tries to get you to dig it up, bring it up, and look at it again. Oh, that's right, 10 years ago I did that. You see, if we are living in fake ID or expired ID, we're open for that type of target. We're open for him to come and tell us these things and for us to believe them. And so it's authentic ID, authentic identification, sonship, revelation of it, moving forward in it. I turn up at the airport with my new passport, which, by the way, is a British one, which is the elite task for British passports. And uh, <laughs> it's not, actually. I would try to go through the old little doo-doo, and I have to go the old method. All the Kiwis go past, and there's running, go doo-doo, and then they go, and I'm like, can I do that? It doesn't work. No, that's because it's a British passport, sir. I was like, Suck. <laughs> Yeah, that chip doesn't work. But this, isn't, this is who I am. This, this is authentic. This is up to date. It has the more modern picture of it. It has the, the which is a bad thing and a good thing. And uh, it has a chip in it. And it's authentic. And so when I arrive at the airport and I turn up and I hand it over and they look at it and they scan it, they say, thank you, Mr. Sim, they'll continue on. And I go through customs and I arrive at the custom desk and they look and they look at you doing, you know, you do the whole finger thing and you look at the thing. Yes, you are, Greg Simner, well done, it's authentic and move through. 
And then you board the plane, you arrive in Cambodia, you do what you need to do, you come home, you arrive back at home. The authentic ID gives you access to things and understanding who we are as sons gives us access into his kingdom. Not only will you see it, being born again, you must be born again to see it, but to be born of water, which is symbolic of a baptism, you can enter into it. And that is through obedience. As we obey out of love, our Father, you come into, you enter into, meaning things from the inside, you start to have a revelation. You start to see things. You start to understand things in his word. You start to understand the eternal purpose for the church. You start understanding some of the other writings that Paul talks about in his word. You start seeing things in the spirit. God starts bringing you prophetic words. He starts showing you patterns and designs. And where do you see it? Not here, here. And rivers of living water start flowing from you. And I've shared this all the time. It's to be a reality. We are to live in the reality of the adoption, not just positionally, but experimentally. The revelation of adoption manifests itself in an expression. And I gave us a picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her hair, while the disciples and the Pharisees are both looking on, having not a clue what's going on. In fact, the disciples rebuke her and say, what a waste of money this was. And the Pharisees are going and rebuking Christ, going, if he knew who was touching her, and yet the one who's at his feet, washing his stinking feet with her hair and her expensive perfume, which took a year to raise, is the one who has the understanding of sonship. Bagged from that side, bagged from that side, and Christ is going, she's got it. That's a beautiful picture for us. You see, When this thing hits us, when the revelation, and it's an ongoing revelation, it starts to change you. That's the whole point of it. We become this living water more and more, and we're becoming it as a community. We're becoming it as individuals, but it never ends. It's not like you arrive. We are to be these people of overflow, overflowing water. Because the resource of heaven overflows. And God gives us that in Scripture. How many fish have you got, son? Five. How many loaves of bread have you got? Two. That's all I need. And I'll produce 12 basketfuls left over just to make a point about how my kingdom is resourced and the abundance of it. Now, do you want that? Because we're going after that as a community. I want that. I want to understand who I am in more today than what I did yesterday. Come with me, just come with me to verses 4 to 7. Galatians 4, 4 to 7. But when the fullness of time came, that's good news. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, which is us, that we might receive the adoption as sons because you are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Here you go, verse seven. Therefore, everyone say, therefore. You are no longer a slave or an orphan, but a son. And of a son, then an heir 
through God. I'll say it again. The more we understand who we are, the more we will access internally, which will manifest itself externally, and the kingdom will flow through you because you are anchored to him and anchored in him. Him in you is the hope of the world. Not you, him in you is the hope of the world. I'm just going to read six things which I've covered over two weeks. And I'm going to watch, just just show us a clip and then I'm going to call it a, a night as far as preaching goes. Number one, the father defines sonship. Number two, the father marks his sons with the Holy Spirit. Three, the father renounces the lies of the enemy. If you are, you're my beloved son. I love the fact that God does that. The father defines everything. We've all been adopted. If you've invited Jesus into your heart, you've been adopted into his family. It's sealed, signed, it's delivered. We've been adopted. There's no question about that any longer. Five, we must press in to receive the revelation of the sonship. So we live in it, which changes everything. Thinking, speech, that's what being renewed by the power of the, so um, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind via the Holy Spirit. So you think differently, you see differently, you act differently, you speak differently. People can't figure out what ever happened. Who was here this morning? He won't mind me sharing this, but through discipleship, Jeremy has walked with a man by the name of Rodney Blythe. Rodney is a different guy today than he was two years ago. You wouldn't have recognized Rodney Blythe two years ago. He won't mind me saying this. He was apathetic. He was just sort of turning up, going through motions. The Rodney Blythe today, I don't recognize. Literally. He's on fire. He's got involved here. He's walking with Jeremy. They contend for truth. He shared this morning. He, he wasn't a great reader of the word, so he would he said, I've got to do something. So he, he'd grab um, just you know the, 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 the Bible on audio and he'd start listening to it on the train, in his car. He's consuming himself with the word. And this is all it is. All he's done is consume himself in the word and he's changed. That ain't rocket science. It's living. If we receive it by faith, it'll do its thing. That's the point of it. And he's a different guy. If you know who he is, go talk to him. He'll share the journey with you. So it's come via him doing bit, Jeremy walking with him, which is what Christ modeled for us. That's the power of discipleship. Walk together. Contend together. And the last thing was our lives are to reflect the reality of the adoption. So our lives are to reflect this reality. It's not just a nice thought, concept, abstract picture. No, it's me. The word left heaven, became flesh on the earth. People saw him, touched him, experienced the life of heaven through Christ as a man. Not as God, as a man. The word comes into my heart. I receive it by faith. I'm spiritually born again. I have a revelation. Continue to have revelation. God gives me his Holy Spirit. He gives me his living truth, the power to transform my life. Those are two powerful things. You must worship me in spirit and in 
truth. It's the combination of those, those two elements together, integrated into one, that form the river of living water in me. And as it's, I start to change and I go into the world, into every environment, supermarkets, garages, here, wherever I go, there's a river of living water that I can tap into that comes forth and the kingdom can come when I hear the Father's voice and I obey and I move. That is an amazing truth for every single one of us to walk in. That is not for paid people. That is not for people who have titles behind their name. That are not for people who maybe look. All those things, that is for the body of Christ. Amen? So let's have the music guys back. Um, and let's just pray. And um, maybe we're, no, we're not going to show you this clip. I oh, will see. I'll see you afterwards at the moment. But Lord, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing here right now. I want to thank you, Lord, that, that, that we are sons, Lord. And I want to uh, pray and lift up that the spirit of revelation, Lord, would just come upon us now. I pray, Lord, that as we open up our hearts, as we get vulnerable to you, as we uh, just place ourselves in that position inwardly, Father, and say, just come and show me, reveal to me. The Bible says, if we ask, if we hunger, if we knock, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus even gives us a, another truth in Revelation where he says, I knock at the door of your heart. I'm knocking at the church's heart's door, and I want to come in and dine with you. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold that's been refined through a fire, which means there's an exchange that happens. It's not like you, get, you don't have to give something. You have to give something because he says, I counsel you to buy from me. There's a transaction. There's an exchange. If you give me this, I will give you this through a process of refining. And I just believe the Holy Spirit is asking us tonight, do you want that? Do you want to buy something from me? I want to buy with you. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to transact with you tonight. Not the person beside you, behind you, in front of you, but with you. Because I died for you. And I died that you would live in the fullness of the sonship reality. And to allow me to shape, mold, and change you. where you would experience these rivers and experience peace, experience joy, experience life. The Bible says that Jesus came to set us free and those that are in Christ to be set free indeed, those that continue to remain in his word, so we've been set free and we are being set free as we continue to meditate and marinate in his word, allowing his word to define us and to cut away, because it's a double-edged sword, the things that are in us that he doesn't want there and we don't want there. And so, Father, tonight we just stand before you, kneel before you, lay prostrate before you, and I ask through the power of your spirit that you would come. I ask for the spirit that lives within us to rise. And I ask for your spirit to come. And for those two things to collide and meet tonight. 